Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Julie, you you missed that the past 20 minutes, I'm like, Camille, I feel awful. Don't bother Julie. I'm sure she's busy. Don't bother her. (laughs) Guys, I'm totally like, my house is full of family and there's construction outside our place. Let's do a quick exercise. Think back to your childhood or young adulthood. Try to conjure the memory of something you wore. Maybe it was an item you insisted on putting on every single day. Maybe it was an article of clothing that became legendary in your family photo album, or that it was legendarily despised. Can you picture what it looked like? Can you remember how it felt to wear it? Can you recall where you were or what you were doing when you had it on? This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 456. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm joined by Camille Andros and Julie Morstad. Much of our conversation revolves around the power of memory, and both of these women drew from some very powerful memories in order to create The Dress and the Girl, a picture book about a girl and a handmade dress who were seemingly made for one another and who were, in their own ways, determined to find themselves back together, no matter the distance or the time that separates them. Before we jump in, here's a quick word from our sponsors. This month, I'm excited to welcome our newest sponsor, the Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each month, they send one to two books featuring characters of underrepresented backgrounds. Little Feminist spends months consulting with a team of educators, librarians, and parents to pick each book and create a suite of hands-on activities to accompany them. Whether it's treasure hunts or DIY musical instruments, the goal of the included activities is to make the stories come alive for both children and families. Raise good humans, one children's book at a time, by signing up at littlefeminist.com today. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Gallery Nucleus, an art gallery and bookstore. On September 9th from 2 to 5 p.m., Nucleus will be hosting a signing with the artist Scott C. and writer Drew Daywalt at their storefront outside Los Angeles, California to celebrate the books Sleepy the Goodnight Buddy and Adventures in Drawing. Come see Scott's original art from both books and enjoy fun activities. This free event is open to all ages. Can't make it to the signing? Gallery Nucleus is offering listeners 15% off your next purchase by entering in the promo code WONDER18. Visit gallerynucleus.com to discover more or click on the Gallery Nucleus banner at matthewcwinner.com podcast. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Storyteller Academy. 
Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. The team shares our mission is to help aspiring storytellers learn the craft of storytelling by sharing our creative process intimately. We believe everyone has a story to tell. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast are invited to a free mini class. Enroll today at storytelleracademy.com slash wonder or click on the Storyteller Academy banner at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. And now please welcome my guests, Camille Andros and Julie Morstad, author and illustrator of The Dress and the Girl. Welcome to the podcast, Camille and Julie. I'm glad that you're both able to join me today. Thank you, Matthew. So fun to be here. Yay. Thanks Hi, for having Camille. us. Hi. Hi, Julie from far away. Julie, wait, how far away are you? I'm in Vancouver. In Vancouver. I'm down so, in Baltimore, so I guess I'm technically also far away. Yeah. <laughs> wait, Camille, where are you? I'm in North Carolina, so oh we're my- like a triangle of far awayness. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Though I'm closer to Baltimore, I suppose. True. But right now, <laughs> you don't need to be in the Baltimore weather. We all want to be up in Vancouver. That's the truth of it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, we can it's save hot here right now. <laughs> we can save this for my other podcast, Weathercast. Why don't I instead <laughs> Why don't I instead get to know? <laughs> I'll instead Talking with children's literature notables about their local weather. <laughs> That's going to be a thing. Watch. It'll Mark be my word. Total top rated podcast, oh, Matthew. Good sure. Lord. Ah, well, there you go. Well, and until then, Julie, um, let's actually, let me turn to Camille first. Camille, would you mind introducing yourself to people listening? Sure. I am Camille Andros. I write picture books and I'm primarily a mom of six kids and do that most of the time and I'm doing writing and everything that goes along with uh, publishing um, in between the times, <laughs> in all the in-between times, Is I guess that, I should all, say. Wait, all the in-between times? <laughs> Are there um, lots yeah, of in-between times? All the in-between. <laughs> well, you make them, right? That's true. <laughs> the mornings, the evenings, the waiting during dance, the waiting during doctor's appointments. Mm. I just got back from taking my son to get his cast off his foot, you know, so you do all the in-between times. There you go. <laughs> Sounds like life is, is, is as normal as it can be at, at the Andros household. Yeah, it's great. Oh, and I, I've also written um, Charlotte the Scientist is Squished. That was my first book that came out last year. And there's another Charlotte book coming out next year. And Yay. then... Yay, illustrator um, Brian Farley. Yeah, like she's fantastic. And then, yeah, Julie and I just had The Dress and the Girl come out this past week. So, Well, congratulations Yay. on that. And I know a little bit about your family because I we're friends on Facebook and I follow you on Instagram. And, I, and what I was going to say is... Yeah. Having never had the chance to say this to you to your face, I can tell how much you value uh, photographs and, and having having uh, just those moments saved. You always share such beautiful photographs of your family and of your house. And, oh, um, thank you. And so it, to me, in the weird back recesses of my mind, I think, well, how fitting that you get to do a book with Julie Morstead, who I know for doing such beautiful looks at life as well. <laughs> I'm sure that the publishers weren't like, Camille has a nice house. What illustrator can we pair her with? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. No, it's, 
honestly a dream come true to get to work with Julie. So like literally a dream come true. So I remember listening to the podcast with you and Laurel for Swan and Swan is like probably my most favorite picture book ever. And just listening to that thinking, oh man, if I ever had the chance to work with her, that would be a dream come true. And here we are. Well, Well, I've never actually before. So this is cool. I'm just meeting you for the first time on this. Yeah. Well, so so Julie, for, for everyone else that might be meeting you for the first time, would you mind introducing yourself to people listening? Sure. I'm Julie Morstad, and I'm an illustrator. I mostly do children's picture books. Sometimes I do other things, like some editorial or little commissions here and there from different places, but my main love is picture books. So, I'm glad your main love is picture books. I'm, I'm glad that <laughs> illustration found you or you found illustration. I'm glad for books like Swan and This is Sadie and When Green Becomes Tomatoes. There's so much that I think so many of us know and love your work for. And, and you have you have such a voice in your work, Julie. So I, I, I'm glad that The Dress and the Girl found its way to you as well and that you... That, that you said yes to the dress. Is that a weird way to say that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that was good. Um, yeah, you know what? I, yeah, like when I read the manuscript, I was like, it really spoke to me because I have a daughter and I love clothing and I love um, thrift shopping. And I always loved that idea of finding something later than maybe that you gave away or just that just that idea of having something and then putting it out into the world and and somebody else it has a life with somebody else like that I think is such an intriguing idea um so when I first read the manuscript I was kind of floored and kind of cried a little bit because uh-huh. I was like oh <laughs> this is actually like just that you would have a dress that would come back to yeah. the girl well Camille yeah. why don't you Camille, why don't you introduce this book to us? Um, you've had it's been out for just a little while. Have you had a chance to book talk yet? I have not. Okay, oh, so let's I, break I mean, the I've ice. Person, but to people, but not yeah, nothing like this. So Wait, this is exciting. You go your take, and then you know that I'm just going to go on and on afterwards. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait. So, the dress and the girl is a story about a girl and her favorite dress that live an ordinary life in a Greek mountain village, but they long for the extraordinary, you know, something stunning, sensational, or like that. And then one day, the family decides to immigrate to the United States, and in the process, the dress and the girl get separated from each other. So it's a story about the power of memory, and what we think is ordinary is actually quite extraordinary i love the notion that what might appear ordinary to everyone else becomes extraordinary to the individual that loves or values that that object that thing the thing that we place memory and value upon well thanks thank you and i i think julie's art shows that juxtaposition between what we can think is an ordinary life 
you know, but then like the spread with the ship and everybody, you know, embark, you know, getting off the ship and going through Ellis Island. I mean, that is the epitome of extraordinary, I think, you know, but this was something that so many people have done, especially during the time frame of the book that, you know, it seemed like an ordinary thing, but all these people that were doing that had their own story of what brought them to that point. And those stories are extraordinary. You know, I have leafed through this book so many times preparing for our interview, wondering like, what, what is the part that you read to people to introduce this book? <laughs> and, and I, I gotta say, if you don't mind, I'd love to share the, the piece with Ellis Island. I feel like there's, there's, sure. there's without just full, uh, my, my favorite turns of phrase happen throughout the entire book. And so, I mean, I'm always willing to read the entire book to anybody, but <laughs> let's wait. <laughs> let's wait till I have a group of children in front of me for that. Uh, let me read this excerpt, if you don't mind. Um, so um, there is this dress that a, a girl's mother has made for her. Um, and, uh, you know, we start off saying the dress loved the girl. The girl loved the dress. And they spent each day together. An ordinary girl wearing an ordinary dress every day, the same story. And then they ultimately go out to see the world. Uh, and it, it starts here. Um, Finally, the dress and the girl arrived. They wondered if now was the time for something singular, stunning, or sensational. For something extraordinary. Instead, the dress was folded up and placed into a trunk. The dress waited for the girl to find her. She waited and waited. But the girl never came. And so the dress set out to find the girl. The page that I chose to end on, I, I, I chose specifically, Julie, really for you, because it's the one page where you have, have, I mean, for lack of better words, I feel like you've imprisoned us with all of this whiteness on the page. The whole book is flowing with color and with background and scenery. And there's this one page where we know the dress is inside this trunk that sits alone in what is now an empty terminal, an empty station. Um, and yet we're left with these words, the dress set out to find the girl. The juxtaposition of leaving us in that barren white space, but allowing the words in the page turn to, to uh, remind us of hope, I thought was a really powerful way of illustrating that. Ooh. Well, thank you. I, that was one of my favorite spreads to illustrate in the book, the two spreads, the previous spread with the um, sort of busy scene with Ellis Island and the next page, the juxtaposition. Um, I like I like to have, I did that, a, I think I did that in The Swan too, where you have that moment to do something a little bit um, linear, like where you show the same, um, the this, this same images, but then something's just changed slightly. Yeah. It's nice to be able to do that in a book and not, I feel sometimes like in picture books, there's always, at least the way I approach, approach it, there's always, I'm sort of trying to change up the composition every spread and, you know, keep it interesting. But it's nice to have that kind of, to have that as a little sort of device to, um, to really show a plot point. So 
Um, and another thing about those spreads is that that was the other reason that I really, that manuscript really spoke to me immediately because I saw Ellis Island, you know, as a, a, a note to the illustrator um, in the manuscript and I just thought, oh my God, like I would love to do the research for that because I had seen these colored images of um, portraits done of people arriving at Ellis Island. I've seen those, it, yes. Yeah, I feel like maybe the early teens or anyways, early early um, turn of the century and uh, I just yeah I get really into the research for these historical things and so that was that was definitely a huge component of why I wanted to do the book wow. <laughs> the yeah you know you 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 um, you have that uh, another place where you can slightly change the compos- compositions and you do with this beautiful refrain that that Camille you've introduced that that we first meet when it says they rode in a wagon they sailed in a boat they went to school jumped rope and played tag these four images that are repeated uh twice more uh with words slightly changing and um i think really our characters uh being drawn further and further apart so um that that was it's not often in a picture book when I find myself um, saving pages with multiple fingers so that I can flip back <laughs> and compare the art <laughs> well, I quite enjoyed that <laughs> oh. Camille that, that, I think I've found that that in the right picture books when those refrains come I really enjoy them did that refrain present itself early on in your writing or was that something that came later through editing? Yeah, it came later. Um, I, I worked on this book. Well, the initial idea for it came, I think eight, eight years ago. And, um, it was, it's something that I've been mulling over for years and years and years. And, um, it was, I didn't know how to write a picture book. This is the first book I ever tried to write. And, Um, so I think the learning curve was really high and steep on it. (laughs) And so when about, oh, I'm going to get the years wrong now, but I think about three or four years ago, four years ago, yeah, I started seriously pursuing, uh, trying to be a published author and I would go to the conferences and this was the book that I brought or the manuscripts that I would bring and workshop and, you know, get critiques from. And oh my goodness, at the the beginning, (laughs) it was really rough and it was way too long and I didn't know the rules for picture book writing, you know, so there was a lot of work to get it um, to where it is now. (laughs) Was the idea the same though? Was the idea of this girl having a dress and then becoming separated and ultimately finding their way back together? Was that, was that, that inspiration from the start? Yeah. So, well, it's kind of twofold. The first was I attended a party that was a a little tea party that a friend of mine threw and a woman, she, well, she likes to do fancy parties. And so this woman came to this party dressed in this vintage 1940s tea party gown. Like it was amazing. And I looked at that dress and I was just like, wow. Was it Julie Morstead? Did did Julie Morstead walk into your party? (laughs) 
I'm sorry, Julie. That's how I, I picture you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, but I, I looked at that dress and just wondered, oh my goodness, if the, I wonder what this dress is seen. You know, what if it could tell us the stories of its existence? What would it tell us? And then shortly after that, I was able to go to Greece and visit my husband's parents that were living in Athens at the time. So my husband and I went and visited them and hit my husband's great grandfather immigrated from Greece to the United States. And as we, we were, so we were able to go up to the village that he was born in. And (laughs) this is a crazy story, but we went up to this village and it's a tiny, tiny place where you drive in and everyone in the town knows you're there as soon as you park. (laughs) And we went to (laughs) the cemetery and to find some of the family headstones we knew were there and to learn more about the family because his great-grandfather was one of, I always get this wrong, I think it's nine or 11 children and I can't remember which, but a big, huge family. He was the only one that left and never saw the rest of his family again and sent he worked on the railroad in the United States and sent money back to them for the rest of his life and um, so we went back to the village to try and find more out about the family and as we're in the cemetery a man starts yelling to us about I don't know like 50 yards away from his own um, yard and his his house his garden and he starts yelling to us to come over to him. And so we walk over there and we we're all worried that we'd done something wrong because we didn't speak any Greek. My in-laws spoke a little bit of Greek. And so they started talking to him and telling him who we were and why we were there. And the man got so excited and he pointed or shooed us into his house. He wanted us to come inside. And so we go in to this house and he points to this picture on the wall and it, it looks so much like it gave me goosebumps Julie when I saw this it looks so much like the picture on the wall that you have in the book and in the first page and (laughs) and it's a picture of a man and he pointed to that picture and then he pointed to my husband and they look like the same person and it's only just like generations apart and it was and the man kept saying the word family in Greek and so his mother was an Andrutsos, and Andrutsos is the name before it was shortened to Andros when he came through Ellis Island, and so he was a cousin that we didn't even know we had, and he and his wife just threw this elaborate lunch for us. They pulled out (laughs) all these amazing vegetables from their garden, and we sat outside under their grapevines and ate all this amazing food up in, you know it was like we were in Mamma Mia is what it felt like it was amazing <laughs> it's like is this happening for real I can't even believe this is real life but that was the other inspiration behind the story so amazing what was that what island was that so it was it's it was on the main island um, and it's up in the mountains a couple hours away from Athens Okay. And it's called Kato Tarsos is the name of the village. So amazing. So so there's maybe maybe this past year or so I've gotten really into taking time after I do a first read of a book, taking time to read 
the dedications and to wonder oh. about the dedications. And sometimes, and this book has quite a special dedication from you, Camille. And um, and uh, the dedications always come two ways. And, and Julie, you actually show us the other way, which I always think is so beautiful in private. Julie, your your dedication just says for Ida. And so when I read this book and I think of how special it is, when I read dedications like that, I just think this must be a person that holds some sort of equally special significance, right? And it's a beautiful thing to be able to wander. And then on the other side, sometimes the dedications almost invite us all in, right, to know more. And and, and you, uh, Camille, have written um, for the Andruzzo's family, especially Harry, who had the courage to start a new life that made my life possible. And to my mother, who made me many beautiful dresses. So I kept pondering that, thinking this entire time I was going to ask you about the dresses your mom made, but I just wanted to put back to you that here you go, sharing this exceptionally wonderful story about visiting Greece and about family. And I guess I just want to tell you that that really touched me. That was really special. I'm glad that that experience found its way to be translated as it as it did over the years it took to present itself the right way to you. I'm glad that it became the dress and the girl. I'm glad that your editor, I'm glad that Julie and the art director, I'm glad that everyone who laid hands on this book helped and allowed the story to present itself in this way because it really is a it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Thank you so much. Ida's my daughter, by the way. What's that? I said Ida's my daughter, by the way. Oh, it's your daughter. Well, see, then we. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say. Then we have even an even more beautiful connection because it it means our dedications follow these generations down. How beautiful is that? But please, you were telling me she was named. Go ahead. Oh, she's named after Ida in Maurice Sendak's Outside Over There, if you've ever read it. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I, well, I um, I have to say, I've also become quite a fan of uh, looking at end papers and looking at case covers. Uh, and Julie, you've given us both a gift in a different case cover than what the jacket displays, um, you know, allowing us to spend a little bit more time with that image of, of coming off the boat at Ellis Island, but also the end papers allowing us to just live in the pattern of that dress, the memory of that dress, to take it so far as, as to think of, of the girl in this dress, just imagining and remembering that pattern, that design. Um, for me, uh, it, it really made that, that last image that you, well, the next to last image that you give us, where uh, the girl has now grown up. We're going to just spoil the heck out of this book because it's so beautiful. <laughs> you can't really spoil such a beautiful story of immigration and of being separated and brought back together because experiencing it, I think, is what, what holds its beauty. But um, to have, uh, from the dress's perspective on this illustration, facing out to uh, the street... Uh, where the girl and now grown and her daughter are looking into this window. Julie, the way, there's no way I can describe this. But Camille maybe can help me with words. 
the way that that the girl's face looks. Sorry about that. No, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to just say it again. Here we go. Ready? Yeah. Julie, the way that that girl's face looks, looking at her dress, is like there is. <laughs> I'm going to get choked up. There's the deepest pang of sadness, but also of of uh, reuniting. It is such a beautiful. Uh, labor that you put into her expression. Camille, do you know what I'm talking about? I can't find the words. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yo, yo. <laughs> I stared I'm just at that face. Me, so. <laughs> I stared and I'm still I'm staring at it. I can't find my way. But it's such a gift that you have, Julie. Such oh, a gift you. that you have with with those moments where you stop us, where you hold us in the moment and ask us to just be there and and you you do it so beautifully you do it so well <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> uh i felt that um because uh the idea with this book is that the dress almost has a consciousness right it's yeah. almost anthropomorphic but but we i think camille i think we probably both didn't really want it to be anthropomorphic in that sense, but at, at yeah, yeah. some way you need the dress. You need to convey the dress's feelings without. So I tried to do that through the mood or tone of the image. Um, so with that thread that you're talking about, I um, felt it was important to show, um, yeah, to show the, the girl now grown up, her facial expression. So I felt it was important to change the point of view from the outside looking in from to the inside looking out. Um, so I'm curious. I'm curious how um, that came about, Julie, because I, you know, because as the author and the illustrator, we don't contact, you know, we have had very little contact. I mean, we haven't even talked at all. All we've done is like, yeah. like our images on Instagram pretty much and um, <laughs> but it's funny because when I the very I think I'm not an artist or an illustrator but in my mind when I write a book I'm it's very image driven oh. and so I'll usually see a picture in my head that has to have a story to go with it and so um and this was the first image of the book in, mm. that came to me for the, you know, for the genesis of the whole story was this grown woman seeing her, her dress in, in the shop window. And I was like, oh, yes, what's the story? How did this happen? <laughs> yeah, there's something so, I don't know. There, yeah, it was that moment, too. I think that really struck me when I read the, your story because I just thought, there's just something so beautiful about that, about just sort of going about your regular day in being in your own little world. And then you just take a glance at something and you, you, you know, and it connect. And I mean, because I'm a thrifter, <laughs> like, huh? oh my God, yeah. I in the but then you add that amazing like poetry that it was something from your childhood. Like that I, to me, it was just mind blowing. So I just thought <laughs> I have to do this book. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah. Oh my! And you were my very first choice, Julie. Oh. When Tamar asked me, she <laughs> said, you "No, know, we were talking about it." And um, yeah, you were my very, very first choice. So, for writing it, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Julie, well, did you, you did you go through a lot of different drafts or approaches while you were? conceptualizing the art for this book? Uh, sorry, did I go through a lot of what? A, a lot of uh, different drafts or different uh, compositions, oh. a lot of different approaches? Or, well, or did did you sort of see it? I mean, it's sort of different, I suppose. Or well, it is different that uh, Camille's trying to like find the story. But when she found it and gave it to you, I know that uh, you did this research and you you brought your, your own self to it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I did quite a few iterations of the girl, I guess, but I kind of essentially knew, like, I saw her right away. She had, like, really curly hair and sort of bouncy hair and this red ribbon in her hair. And I, the, for me, because um, I think my initial uh, instinct with the dress was to make it sort of a traditional Greek dress, like something... Uh, I wanted to make it white with blue embroidery, you know, something that someone had labored over. Um, but um, Tamara and I felt that it might get lost in the images. And because I tend to leave a lot of white space for um, in, my Im- in my images, that it, it would just maybe get lost. So we kind of felt like it needed to be a little bit of a stronger color. And... Um, I should send you. So I don't know, Camille, if you ever saw the dresses, like the dresses that didn't oh. make it. Oh my goodness! I oh my love. word! <laughs> the dresses. Yes, <laughs> please. I'm so bad with social media. I never think of these things, but I guess other people do that. Like put their sketches up and stuff. But, anyways, I. Um, it took me a little while to see the dress, and I still honestly don't know if I made the right choice. I'm like, I don't know if this is the right dress, but, but regardless. It, it's the dress now so um but in terms of, uh, in terms of layouts uh I didn't actually do that many different drafts I, I saw most of them pretty clearly see I love that the first time and um Tamar also like she was so great to work with she was just so um I really felt like she sort of like gave me the reins you know what I mean with the artwork like she she really does gave me a lot of creative freedom which is always so nice because you just feel so free to do what you want to do and um so so this book was actually quite it kind of came easily like I I made the sketches and and she approved them and there was a few edits but barely anything and so I mean it was kind of just a joy to do this book yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think like- I, I think we changed like one word in the manuscript from when she bought it to when it went to be printed I just, that was right. I just love <laughs> yeah. how hesitant Julie is to say it kind of was just a joy to make this book. <laughs> like, I don't know if I should say this out loud. It's not always this way. No, but it is. I mean, the thing is, it is work, right? Of course. Sometimes yeah. I question myself, like, why do I get myself into these situations where I'm drawing a thousand tiny people wearing, like, <laughs> like layered period clothing, you know, like... <laughs> The 19, well, like why why do I do this to myself like in the midst of it sometimes I'm not always so joyful but I mean 
on the whole. That's was, amazing. It was a treat. Yeah. What what uh, medium are you working in when you do this, Julie? Um, this book was mostly uh, so I often use um, this kind of watercolor that's called um, Dr. Martin's Radiant Watercolor, which mm. is a, their little glass jars, little glass vials. And um, I also use some pastel and other sort of textured things, pencil crayon and stuff, um, especially when I was working on the, the Greek um, buildings. And that yeah. was another part of the book that I loved working on because I love Greece. And I- oh, the color <laughs> of the water. Oh, boy. Yeah, you've done. I think I remember you mentioning when we last talked to Dr. Martins because of the, the bright color popping. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty. Yeah. I like that you make a lot of work for yourself, Julie. That's fun. I like that you make all the period clothing and all the flowers and all the... I think it's that that refusal to turn away from detail that is what makes your 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 work just so lovely and so entrancing. So Why pretty. Everybody loves Why everybody yeah. loves it. I want to also <laughs> just note that I know that this was a, a deliberate... Sometimes we read picture books. Sometimes I read picture books. I'll just be ignorant and say sometimes I read picture books. And I'm like, I wonder if the person knew that they put that in the book. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait, they had to have known. So I love when we were when when um, the girl first notices when she's older, the girl first notices the dress in the window. The sign above the door says we buy and sell hard to find and rare items. And I am just love the idea that it's like. It's a hard to find item, and here it is. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at a lot of old, you know, images of uh, old shop fronts and stuff, and I thought that just seemed like the right, it seemed like the right language to describe right, that dress, yeah. like lost. <laughs> it's hard to find. Yeah, yeah, hard it's to so find. So good. Well, listen, before we wrap up, um, is there anything that that I didn't ask that you wanted to share about the book or process or anything like that, other than Camille and I promptly? Uh, begging you, Julie, to put your <laughs> drafts of all these different dresses out oh, somewhere for us yeah. to see. Is there anything else we didn't talk about, Camille? Oh, I don't know. Was, I, it, always I, Julie... the, was it always called the dress and the girl? Um, no, it wasn't, actually. Oh, I think such a clever it started... name. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, it wasn't a whole lot different, but I think it might have started as the little dress. But then I wanted, and I I went back and forth um, over draft, over draft, over draft, switching perspectives. Like, do I want the girl to tell the story? Do I want the dress to tell the story? Do I want like an outside narrator to tell the story? And so I did a lot of different versions. And so the titles would change depending on who was telling the story too. And I felt like, you know, I wanted them both sort of to tell it, so... Yeah, I I think it's you know immediately evocative when you when you put the dress in front of the girl. It, it, you're, you're changing up a phrase, and that perks interest. So I'm glad it turned out the way it did. Good stuff. Oh, thank Jul- you, Julie. How about you? Anything else that we left out that you want to make sure people know? Ooh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. The donkeys were based on real donkeys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, Julie, I, I, I go ahead. Julie, I don't know if you saw this on Instagram, but when you mentioned the the pictures of people coming through Ellis Island, I posted one of my husband's great grandfather 
of when he came through. And um, so that was one that was taken at that time, which is pretty cool, I thought. Amazing. I'll have to check that out. Well, thank you both so much for the time and thought, and in some cases ease, and in a lot of cases uh, lots and lots of labor that you both put in to making this book just so exquisite. It really is beautiful. I, I hope that everyone else that reads it gets to just take their time. It'll definitely be a book that I'll be reading to students to just slow down, to lean in, to, to have quiet moments together, and I, I like those moments. So thank you for that. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Matthew. It means a lot. You've, you're so kind. We appreciate it. And especially, I mean, this is kind of a surreal moment for me, really. I mean, to be able to work with Julie mm. is amazing and a dream come true, as I've said. And then to be able to talk with you, I mean, this whole book thing has happened relatively quickly for me as far as the publishing world. And I keep pinching myself if it's real, but I remember, you know, not too long ago, your, and I've told you this before, I think, online or in messages, but mm. that I would, your podcast was the first podcast that I ever, that linked me to the kidlit world oh, and publishing and anything. And so I would sit and I felt like I was in class almost, these master classes of listening to these picture book creators and how they would do what they do and you talking to them and I would be driving my kids around just listening and just thinking and dreaming and wishing and hoping and like someday someday I want to do that too <laughs> and here we are so well, here we are thanks. and you know what after five years of, of doing these I still love how different every story is not just every book and every book that I love and have the opportunity to, to speak to the makers about but also just how, how every story about process, about coming into this this children's literature world, about inspiration, every every single person's doing it differently, and that's that's a really cool thing. And every single person wants a Julie Moore said to like illustrate their book. So, <laughs> oh yeah, sure. <laughs> no, but um, it, it is I'm a special. Talk to you, Matthew. You're so sweet. Thank you. You. <laughs> <laughs> I I I you know I. I I like to approach every interview with, with that wonder and, and appreciation because I really do see that in these books that, that you're all making and, and, and just the voices that, that all of you have. So that's a really nice note, I think, to end on that, that um, we all have these different voices to share, but relying on our own voice and trusting our voice and trusting that our story will find its way, just like a dress will find its way and a girl will find her way. Those are good things to keep in mind. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you with this because I always love leaving us back with my students, back where where our books um, are loved the most. Uh, Camille, I'll ask you first. I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Yes, I never could have imagined when I started this story what would be happening in the world right now, especially with children and immigration and refugees. And I hope that children that read this book, if this is a story that resonates with them and they recognize themselves in this story, that it will give them comfort and know that they are loved 
and that they are extraordinary. Well said. Julie, I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message I can bring to them from you? Well, I guess I'd like to encourage them to keep drawing and not to stop drawing ever, even if they don't think they're good at it. To just keep doing it and tell their own stories. Make a little booklet themselves and keep just keep dreaming about that type of thing and and just keep drawing. This is Thirsh Nakiani, children's author and book blogger. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.flowering-minds.com forward slash South Asian Kidlet. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, shout out to my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and helping keep the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Kate, Darshna, Nicole, Jarrett, Mike, Link, Anitra, Lynn, Cynthia, Doug, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Judy, Karina, Teresa, Elaine, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You are all welcome to join us. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.